Hello, everyone. It's Sean A. Barksdale of the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. We are back once again with my brother Larry Howerton Jr., a.k.a. Abba Dabba, the one-minute rapper. What's up, brother? Hey, brother. Assalamu alaikum. How you doing? Wa alaikum. I'm good, champ. I'm good. Uh, let's pick back up. Um, everybody, if you haven't been following, please go back and listen to these earlier episodes. Uh, it's packed with a lot of information um, for parents and youth and the community at large. Um, <clears throat> so... I want to start this by saying, because we're talking about law now, right? Mm -hmm. And the last things that, that Dula was talking about was uh, getting educated, being in, in, in the um, uh, uh, law library, right? But I want to frame this for people, uh, whoever ears this may touch, that, that may this may reach you in prison, um, out of prison, about character. Uh Abdullah's character is, is, is almost impeccable in a, in a lot of regards. Not perfect, right? Um, because you did something that was rather unique, and that is you never caught a charge. Yeah. Well, that you that stuck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So with that, explain, because um, I want you to go uh, uh, um, and frame like why it was important when it was time and how you came home because the law changed, correct? Mm -hmm. All right, so start telling us about being in that law, library, that law library and this law changed. What was the law that changed? Um, the law changed that um, juveniles would be eligible for parole after serving 20 years of their sentence. Bear in mind, when I got locked up, they had abolished the parole in 1995, mm -hmm. and the people in charge then wanted to lock us up. And when we get out, they wanted us to be in a retirement home if we did make it home. Wow. And that was what was said um, by, like, Ron Angelone and those individuals, like, lock them up. Right. It was, like, getting tough on crime. But, um, you know, um, I had hope. I had hope from 1996 till... You know, the day I left prison and I still got hope. Right. You know, because I, 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 I just knew that that couldn't be all that my life would be. It's 36 years in prison and I would get out when I'm 53 years old and I would be, you know, not able to draw any kind of Social Security or anything right. um, because I would start working late. Um, but uh, I went to the law library and I, I used to I used to hear about cases passing in other states and how the juveniles mind wasn't fully formed and how they're repulsive actors and stuff like that. And I reflected on my situation. Mm. I said, wow, that that happened to me. Like I didn't plot this out, but everybody said I plotted it out. But it was just me overreacting, me acting as a child reacting. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to learn about the general sim that started to write Senator Dave Marston who um, responded and who uh, had compassion for the juveniles. And uh, he proposed some of the legislation um, for the juveniles to be eligible for parole after serving 25 years or after serving 20 years. And um, year after year, it failed, but I still had my hope because I believe that God didn't decree for me to just be in here and be wasted away. Mm -hmm. I feel that it was something bigger for me. So I continued to go to the law library. I continued to file my own motions. I continued to file my own appeals. I continued to learn the procedures of the court. Um, I continued to learn my rights. Right. You know. Okay. So this is the only individual that I went back and saw because um, 
the 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 structure of the law changed again where you couldn't visit a whole bunch of people anymore yeah. and whatnot, right? But he was the one that I picked, not that, you know, uh, it wasn't other individuals that I didn't want to see, like Kool-Aid, but um, that bond that me and him had formulated, uh, I went back and seen him, and he was the closest one to my house. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> so, um, the character, right? So now... Parole is back up for juveniles. Yeah. Okay, so how, tell us the process. What was the process that you got in front of the parole board? Well, the process is that um, first court and legal had to um, make you eligible for parole. Because, mm. like, you can't just go up for parole. You can't right. just write a letter after parole is abolished and be eligible. But court and legal has to make you eligible. And then the parole board can pull you before them and they can look at your case to analyze if you are suitable for parole you know what i mean and if society accepts you back hmm. you know because that's like a major thing with like public safety hmm. so um like i said i had been charge free for like 25 years and um I, I had made goals to save lives and everything and like my my real goal stated out of my mouth and in my mind is that i want to save lives right you know um so i guess you know, I know God heard that and um, that's why I'm here today. And I'm like evidence that that he exists because like I came from under a situation where man said that I would be in prison till I was 53 years old. Right. And right. I got out 43 years old. So like um, the legislators who made these laws the people, I feel that God touched their heart and made them pass this law. Right. So me and other juveniles that minds wasn't fully formed when they committed their acts could have an opportunity to be back in society as a second chance to prove that they were redeemable. Right. You know, and um, so making it out here, um, I went through that hearing. You first go through a hearing on the parole board where you um, sit before an interviewer and the interviewer asks you certain questions. And one of the questions is like, why should we give you parole? Mm. And my answer for that was so I can be an example for the kids that can extricate themselves mm. from their society like myself. And mm. I can be an example for the, the person who's going to prison as a juvenile, how they should act. And I should be an example for those individuals who are in prison of how they should carry it with respect and prepare for the future. And I, and I can be an example for those individuals who have exited prison. Right. So, um, that's my answer for why I felt that they should give me parole. And I'm um, every day with every breath, I'm trying to be that example. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so how, because, you know, I know you, so I, I know how people treated you while I was there, you know, meaning, you know, staff. Mm -hmm. um, what did the staff do when, when you were going up for parole? I got to say this about Green Rock Correctional Center, and I definitely have to put it out there because not only did the inmates pull for me, but the staff, they saw something in me. They respected me. They conversated with me. They put me in programs before I made parole that would prepare me for my exit into society, um, my me entering into society. And um, they wrote in my course, they wrote um, observational behavioral notes. Observational behavioral notes are notes that usually a staff member will write only the negative things that they observe from you. But I had no negativity. Right. And they put all the positive things in on my uh, observation. So the interviewer, she told me that she seen the positive notes that the staff had put in there. And when I made parole, 
all of the counselors, like usually one counselor will give you an answer. Mm -hmm. All of the counselors met me on the boulevard with the assistant warden and, um, you know, the assistant warden was acting like he didn't know I made a role. He said, man, when you go home, you're going to do right and everything. And then all the staff, all the um, counselors, they started running up to me and they said, you made parole. And they was, <laughs> they was overjoyed. And then Miss right. um, Preston, she was like, well, we're going to run your paperwork and get, you know, help you um, on the way out. We're going to give you certain things to sign up for and stuff like that. And um, it was like, it felt good. Right. Like, they didn't want me to leave without them saying bye. Right. You know, and they right. told me, they said, it's, it's not no one else like you here, Howerton. Nobody. They used to give me jobs where I used to clean up like the major's office and the, um, the school, uh, the teacher's office right. and the assistant warden office and these jobs like or trustworthy jobs. Absolutely. So it was like, man, God, you know, like he's the one who raises people with honor and right. stuff like that. And I feel that in there and out here, he raises me. He puts me in certain positions. Right. Absolutely. You know, of trust. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> hey, young world, I want y'all to understand what you heard in this episode. If it falls on your ears, uh, go back and listen to, uh, roughly, well, listen to all of the episodes, but listen to episode three when Mr. Howerton talks about a split second decision that he made as a child that landed him 25, almost 26 years, a month away from 26 years of doing time. And in this episode, you will hear everything that it takes to get out up to this point, everything that it takes to fight for your freedom. So what we're trying to do is inform you of the freedoms that you have right now that you don't have to lose or that you don't have to go through these channels. Right. Um, so that we just want to inform you. So please listen, please come back, tune in next week for our final episode um, with Mr. Larry Howerton Jr. Thanks again, man, for sharing your story with us, brother. You're welcome, bro. All right. This is Sean A. Boxdale, 10 Minutes of Truth. Peace. Representation is extremely important And sometimes it has to be civil And sometimes it has to be criminal If you need help in these areas Please call Mike Trent Of the Trent Law Practice He can be found at 7S Main Street Halifax, Virginia 24558 And that phone number is 434-471-4339 If you want to get it right Call Mike